Welcome to Plead the Cause, brought to you by Heart of the Bride Ministries, where we are pleading the cause of orphaned and vulnerable children around the world and even right here at home. I'm Brian Crispin. I'm the Executive Director of Heart of the Bride. I will be uh, hosting the podcast today. Our normal host, Tommy, is on his way to Zambia at this moment, uh, where he and his are going to be preparing to serve starting next year. So they are, uh, he's over there getting some stuff set up. Uh, so I'm hosting today, uh, which means I'm probably going to get stuff out of order and mess stuff up. Usually I take care of that and I just get to talk. But today I got to shoulder it all. So uh, Lord willing, we'll get through this well. Uh, and this uh, promises to be maybe a little bit more of an emotional podcast too. Uh, today uh, I have two very special guests with me, which are my son-in-law and my daughter, Alec and Victoria Stapp. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Are you ready for your Plead the Cause debut? We are. <laughs> yes. Well, Alec has been on a podcast before, but Victoria, this is your first one, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to do great. You're going to do great. Come on. You, you don't have stage fright, uh, <laughs> Victoria. I know you. I know you too well. You were singing at like, you know, four years old, no fear. So this yeah. is singing is different though. They give you the words, you know, the songs. Yeah, yeah I, that's true. That's true. There's no, there's no screen on the back here to give you your words. So that's <laughs> no good. <laughs> well, we have been uh, the last few weeks um, uh, doing a, a series on adoption. Uh, we talked about different types of adoption. And then um, uh, my wife and I, you know, shared our adoption story. Uh, and then uh, your mom, Victoria, uh, we shared our adoption story. Uh, Matt and Tracy Nelm shared theirs. And so this week, uh, we're going to talk through uh, Alec and Victoria's adoption story, which is a little different than the others that we've shared. So um, really appreciate you guys being here. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your family now? You know, how long you guys have been married, how many kids you have, all that kind of good stuff. Well, I guess that's for me. <laughs> Uh, so we've been married for six and, six and a half, and a half years mm -hmm. now. Uh, we now have four children, uh, five, almost five, three and seven months now. So that's kind of what our family looks like currently. Uh, we'll see if that changes anytime soon, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we joke about that in our family because, you know, between you guys and Emma and Tristan, that's our other dog son-in-law you know family picture and within six months usually it's already like you know invalid there's like another kid so <laughs> we are blessed to already have our sixth grandchild on the way so you know when people ask us how that's possible i was like well we started early and then our kids got married early and started early so you know <laughs> we wouldn't have it any other way so yeah so what what are your thoughts like uh do you have a number of kids in mind or are you just like, um, oh, 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 wait a minute, back up. Tell everybody your ages. Um, I'm, I just turned 25. I am currently 25. We'll soon be 26. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so four kids by 25. Um, so like, yeah, do you have a, an idea like, okay, maybe this is how many kids we'll have, or are you just like, see well, what God does. <laughs> Yeah, well, we've always said that we'll take as many as the Lord gives us. Um, Alec does have a thought, like, behind how many sons he wants. <laughs> uh, I have a crazy plan to have, like, a thousand grandsons. Great grandsons. Great grandsons. <laughs> if we have ten sons and then our ten sons have ten sons 
and they have 10 sons, then, you know, and that's not even including how many girls might get in the mix there. Uh, talking about keeping the staff name yeah. so for the sons. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. We'll be that's taking over awesome. the fan handle in three generations. So. <laughs> for real. That's awesome, Will. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. We're just going to have to buy a bigger property for family gatherings. That's okay. <laughs> that's <Yes>. okay. Well, <laughs> um, all right. So you guys, um, you know, both come from families where, um, you know, uh, adoption and foster and adoption um, is, is, is pretty common, which is, which is rare. Although I, I've shared on this podcast before, you know, we were all a part of a church. We're not all a part of the same church now, but we were for a long time, a church that was focused on foster care and adoption in a major way. So I feel like in this area, it's, it's a little more common to bump into foster parents and families that, you know, are driving big vans and buses, you know, uh, carrying all their kids. But what were your thoughts on foster care and adoption growing up? Was it was it something that was discussed in your families? And, you know, Victoria, I'm giving you full license just to be totally open on that. You know? um, but what was it like for you guys growing up? Was it something you thought of? Was it discussed? Um, yeah. So growing up, I I'm just I'm grateful to have been in a family that really valued children. And there was never a moment in my life where it was like a question whether or not um, my parents cared for me or um, if they wanted more kids like having more kids in any way was always celebrated and exciting. So um, children in general were just seen in and just as a wonderful blessing from the Lord. Um, as far as adoption and foster care go, like we, we did talk about adoption. It wasn't, um, I don't know. I'm trying to remember when I first like understood that it was very different from like having a baby. Um, I know that we talked about like people adopting babies and then kind of as, we got more exposed to like foster care and adoption in that way it shifted and we, and there was like a different understanding, but it wasn't, it wasn't always talked about. Um, and foster care, I don't think I knew really what that was until we moved here and were exposed to it so heavily in the church that we were in. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. And for me, I'd say, um, I had plenty of exposure to adoption, uh, actually to both I'd say uh, adoption, uh, because when my family um, adopted two uh, girls while I was still living with them and they're about to adopt a sibling group before now. But uh, it was always something talked about, uh, a lot of exposure to it through other families as well. Uh, a couple families we're very close with um, adopted quite a few children. So it was very normalized um, in my context and as well as foster care but I don't really think honestly I think I always wanted adoption to be part of our um, part of our life at some point but I don't even think I really uh, considered foster care very much it was kind of like on the back burner uh, for me as far as uh, building a family goes um, if that makes sense yeah, well, and, and I've shared in previous podcasts, you know, now you kind of see it carrying through Victoria's that, you know, growing up for me, adoption and foster care was never really spoken of. Um, it just wasn't something we were exposed to in the small town in Alabama that I came from. And then, but even, um, yeah, even when we began to be exposed more to it, it was more from the adoption side. Uh, when we lived in Cape Girardeau, really, they still didn't talk about foster care much. We knew a lot of people that adopted um, internationally. 
And so it really wasn't until we moved here, like Victoria said, that it was it was discussed so openly and heavily at our church that we were like, oh, <laughs> that's what that means. We, I mean, well, I knew what it was, but, you know, didn't really understand uh, the, the whole thing behind it. So, yeah, Alec, you, you did, you mentioned your two adopted sisters. Yeah. I failed to mention at the beginning with your, your master plan of stat boys. Yeah. T- tell us <laughs> how, how many biological siblings you have. Oh, I have five <laughs> biological siblings. And what's the makeup? Are- yeah, what's uh, the makeup male boys. to female? Yeah. yeah, all boys. Yeah, all boys. So so your family, to finally have a daughter, had to adopt uh, or was led to adopt. That's the, uh, the first female staff in your family. I think that's pretty funny. Oh, my goodness. So your plan might work out if the genes continue that way. You, you guys currently biologically have two boys and a daughter. So, yeah, you're already... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if uh the next one will be uh pretty crucial in seeing kind of how it's gonna go if uh <laughs> if it goes to boys solely or if we'll you know just skip around. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you know, you gotta balance family like ours who biologically had four girls and a boy. So, you know, it's <laughs> you just gotta keep the balance. Well, um, so you guys came uh, and, and it is eventually an adoption story when we get there. That's that's pretty awesome. But you guys started really in foster care first, um, fostering. What what led you to consider foster care? Um, yeah, we obviously we're exposed to it a lot at church and um, especially the past like two years, our friend group has just been largely like families that are heavily involved in foster care, obviously with Alex family and then um, just friends that we were introduced through at church. Um, Yeah. So we just became um, understanding of the great need that there is for foster families um, and just how many kids are, in foster care. And the Lord just brought us to a place where we just realized that we have so much. We have uh, like the space for children, for more children. Um, we only had two at the time when we were, um, talking about this, but, um, yeah, we have space for children. We have like the like material needs met, but also God has blessed us with two amazing families that are extremely supportive of, um, of us just in general, but also, of stepping out and doing things that the Lord calls us to. So we just wanted to um, take advantage of that in a way that is glorifying to the Lord. And so that's kind of what led us to make the decision to start fostering um, was just realizing all that God has given us and wanting to use it for his glory. Yeah, that's awesome. So in the beginning, were you, were you even thinking adoption at that point? I think Yes, we always, so, I mean, with all of this stuff, really, like, we kind of just have strived um, to really always be open-handed and just let God, you know, kind of lead us and give us uh, what he desires. Um, And so I think for us, when we decided that we were going to step into foster care, um, it wasn't like an immediate thing, like we were planning on taking kids. It was like, hey, we're at a time in our life right now where we can go ahead and go uh, get licensed. Uh, and then just the, the license is good for, I believe it's five years. Well, we took the class. The class is good for five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the class is good for five years. So basically we were at a time where we just decided, Hey, we can go ahead and get this done. We had no plans to really go right into it immediately, but it was like, 
let's go ahead and get this out of the way because we feel like God is leading us uh, to this um, eventually. But I think it's important uh, and something that's actually stressed um, to an extent in some of the classes that we've taken uh, is that uh, adoption shouldn't be the primary goal. Like the Mm -hmm. primary goal is to be kind of an in-between where, you know, it's, the end goal is to reunify families um, and and help them. Uh, you know, a lot of people who end up in those situations where they have their kids taken away. Uh, very similar things happen to them growing up. It's uh, a lot of it is systemic to to an extent, and so uh, really, like the goal is to rebuild families and help teach families. You know, who maybe didn't have the you know the gift of having a, a great uh, example uh as far as parenting goes um and so you know you don't go you're not supposed to go into it with the hope that you know oh we're gonna just adopt this kid it should be you know the primary goal we want to uh take care of this child while we're helping uh play a part in reunifying this family uh but adoption isn't always out of the picture Mm -hmm. uh so i'd say that's kind of the mindset we had going into it as well as um, not hoping for adoption, but always being open-handed uh, to do that if it was needed. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And so, um, so I do want us to go ahead and talk a little bit more about the foster care part of this um, tonight. Uh, and we might, we might even make this a two-part um, uh, podcast, which looking at the time, we probably will. Um so tell us a little bit about the the process to enter foster care. I, I think it's important what you just covered a moment ago that, you know, the mindset behind foster care really isn't supposed to be adoption. You know, I mean, and there are a lot of kids that, yeah, early on in, in their story, it's pretty obvious, you know, there's not going to be a reunification, but, but that's not the sole goal. We should go in going, hey, I want to care for a, a child in crisis and a family in crisis and try to help them get to the point where they're healthy and they can be back together. That is, you know, we know from all the studies, that's the best place for a, a child to be is in a healthy, bi- their bi- healthy biological family, if at all possible. Uh, but then sometimes, oftentimes we know it's not, but I, I think that's important that you said that and that you guys entered that. So um, what was the process like to enter foster care? So for us, um, like Alex said, we, we took the foster care class um, in was it 2020, I think. Um, And it was just with the knowledge that like, this is good for five years and we want to be prepared to do it likely in the next five years. So, um, so we took that class and then about six months later was when the Lord just really convicted our hearts to just be like, okay, yeah, we're, we're going to do it. So in January, I think of last year, um, we went ahead and started the licensure process. So Basically, they just, we, they started our home study, you know, they come out and like interview you and um, ask you all the questions about your like family history and um, criminal history, if there is any, you know, they (laughs) just go over everything. And um, then uh, you get fingerprinted, which for us took like, I think it was two months. I don't know why it took us a really long time for us to get our like fingerprints back. Um, And so basically at that point, Um, since we had the class, we had our home study, we were just waiting on the fingerprints to come back and say that we weren't like 
terrible people or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they're looking for in that. Um, but it took like a really long time, um, which we definitely think was the Lord because when it finally did come back, we got like literally immediately placed with our first placement, which was um, crazy. Um, just really fast. But yeah, so that's, I mean, basically it, like it's a lot and a lot of paperwork and um, intrusive questions, of course, which, you know, they have to ask, but um, yeah, it's, pretty straightforward. Yeah. And there are a lot of similarities in that social work process. I know between international adoption, which you did kind of go through with us. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, I mean, I don't know if everybody knows the story. You guys got married though, before we actually <laughs> completed Daniel's adoption. Yeah. So we gained a son-in-law and a son all in the same year. It was awesome. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that, that social work process is pretty similar, except you guys actually going into foster care have to prepare your house a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Aren't there a lot yeah, of requirements yeah. for childproofing? And, yeah, um, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, you have to have lots of locks on um, like cabinets and medicines, like all of that stuff. So there was that aspect of like getting your home ready. And then they come and like take pictures of everything and make sure it's all set up. Like literally they took several pictures of each of the rooms of our house, which <laughs> is fine if you've cleaned it well. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was, that was like the most difficult part, I think for me. Cause I was just like, I don't, I don't know, just kind of preparing my mind for like, why are, why are we having to lock all of these things and make sure that we have the fire extinguisher and like all these extra steps that like, you don't have to do when you're having a baby, you know? Um, right. yeah, so it's just kind of like praying through those things. Like, okay. They just let you bring the baby home without even they checking. Yeah. They the don't world? Check <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. That's funny. No, for real. But even when you adopt internationally, you know, we had the home study and I know they did the questions with our kids separately. And then, you know, all they wanted to do is they we didn't didn't even have to have a bed yet. It was just show us where you're going to put his bed. You know, they they logged that in. That was it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Wow. Well, and so uh, would you say, too, that then to go into foster care and I'm not trying to put barriers up for people, but you do have to be prepared to kind of give up a little bit of privacy, right? I mean, you're really opening up your whole life to a social worker and a system. They're going to take pictures and all that kind of good stuff. Well, not even just a social worker, because like that's the first part of the process, because then you've got when you start foster care, it's the caseworker, it's the guardian ad litem, it's like whoever else needs to visit this child and see them in your home. And like there were way more people involved in that than I had expected. Um, yeah. So you definitely have to be willing to give up privacy and like lots of time more than just like what you think of, okay, I'm taking care of this child. I'm putting time into them. It's also interactions with so many other people um, that are in your house. So, yeah. Wow. Well, so what, uh, what was your first foster experience like, you know, you get the call and I, I gotta be honest with you too. We walked through so many of these with you guys. <laughs> even remember who was first yeah so um yeah our first placement was a little baby um which we actually got called about her before we were even officially licensed like um one more child is who we what who we licensed through and they called us the day before they expected us to be licensed and just said hey there's this baby here's the situation with her um why she was removed what's up with her parents and like would you guys be willing if you get licensed tomorrow, like if everything's approved to take her. Um, and so we like, I mean, it was a quick yes from us. The only thing that was um, kind of a, 
question for me was one of the reasons that she was taken was because of gang affiliation with her father, um, which is something I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about at all. And so that was the only thing that kind of like made me hesitate at all. But after we talked about that and um, talked to some friends who like had a lot of experience fostering, we were like a quick yes to her. Um, yeah. So it was crazy though, because Alec went to work the day that we got her and he left and we had two children and then he came home from work and we had three. Um, <laughs> so they literally just confirm a time that you're going to be home and basically drop the baby off at your house, which was just weird. Um, it was very intense though. I will say, cause it's just like, we had heard about, just so many different reasons that kids are removed. And like, you know, we've seen faces of children, but to have one that I'm, she was like five and a half pounds. She was tiny. And yeah, just like picking was... her up for the first time, <clears throat> it was just such a weighty thing. Like just holding this baby that like, <clears throat> I'm only going to get to love for a certain amount of time. And she's so tiny and has already gone through so much. And just, I don't know. It was, that day was very intense because it was just so many different emotions from like, already just like wanting to love her so well, but also wanting to love her, her mother really well, who I ended up having to talk to already on that first day that she was here. Like it was just so much weight and like just a weird fat, like mix of emotions there um, with just wanting to love everyone well and also wanting what's best for her and not knowing, I don't know, just how to go about all of that. So it was, it was pretty, I don't know, intense. Do you have anything? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was uh, that situation overall, though, ended up being very good. Like she there was very little like it, they ended up reunifying after three months. Yeah. Yeah. Three months. And, you know, she just really, you know, like before I said, she was a tiny little infant. Yeah. We've been so used to having babies in our home that we just kind of. You know, the only difference was she was on a bottle. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Victoria is used to nursing. So I ended up having to be up a lot feeding her. And so <laughs> there was that that we weren't used to. But overall, she just blended into our family very well, very quickly. And uh, she was she was very sweet. Yeah. Um, it was really sweet. But um, also, we had made a joke that we would start foster care and then I would probably find out that I was pregnant, which ended up being exactly <laughs> what happened. Um, I, uh, we got placed with her like mid May, I think. And then I found out that I was pregnant with our youngest, um, Levi on, I think like June, like the first week of June. <laughs> um, so it, I was technically already like pregnant when she came to our house. So that was pretty crazy um it's like morning sickness and like having to get up and make bottles in the middle of the night and then like feed a baby first thing in the morning like that was that was rough <laughs> um yeah. so there were lots of aspects that were rough but in terms of her like she was she was a sweet sweet baby like she was mm. not not easy i don't think any babies are easy but she was just a really chill baby um, yeah, she was precious yeah. oh she was precious. oh my yeah. goodness well um <laughs> Yeah. So what, uh, so uh, as we wrap up this part one, we are going to do two parts. What, um, I, I was trying to think of my next question. Well, one was th there is kind of a surprising thing when you're, you're kind of thrust into foster care. I mean, they, they do try to do their best to prepare you, but would you say that, yeah, that first placement is a huge learning curve? 
Oh yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely a huge learning curve. And I, I feel like Alec and I had a pretty realistic expectations as to what it would look like, but still, even so like every single case is different and every child is different, every like family. So, um, you just really don't know exactly what you're going to be walking into no matter how, probably no matter how many years you've done this. I mean, obviously we've only been doing it for like a year and a half, but I can imagine that there are still things that happen that you don't even know if you've been doing it for 15 years, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to like be as prepared as you can, but also it's still, you just have to be so open to whatever it is that the Lord gives you. Um, yeah. Yeah. So um, we won't go through all of your other experiences. You know, they're varied, obviously, foster care experiences, you know, and, and you, you have to be prepared for so many different types of challenges with kids. But what um, what I'd like to really fo focus on or ask you about as we wrap up this part one is what kind of support you had around you and what what kind of support really meant the most to you, like helped you the most um, as you were going through this? Because, again, there are, there are going to be a lot of things try to prepare you for, but then there are a lot of things that are surprising. What kind of support did you guys have and what kind of support really helped you the most? Yeah. Um, yeah, we, like I said uh, earlier, the reason we stepped into this is because we know we had such great support, um, whether it be family or friends. So our families were just so willing to come over and just help with meals or with chores or whatever it was that we needed for any time that we got placements. Like, they would drop things and just like drop whatever they were doing and come over to help or like, let us take whatever kid we need to them and just then stay there so that we can have a break, whatever it was like our families were so helpful in that. Um, and then also just friends, uh, starting meal trains. That was, that happened several times. Um, there's a, a closet for like foster and adoptive families that you can just go and like, get whatever you need, um, for whatever placement it is that you're getting. That was super helpful. Um, and then also like I had several friends that I, especially on the first couple of days that we had our first placement was just so overwhelmed with like just the weight of this moment and this baby. And, um, several of my friends just came over and literally just like sat at the house with me. And that was also Ooh. extremely helpful just cause it's like, Hey, you're not alone. Like, like we're here to help you. Um, yeah, so we have lots of support like that. Is there anything you want to add? No, I don't think, uh, I mean, I would say having great support was not like the reason that we went into foster care. It and I don't want to devalue like how important that was in our success, you know, during the, the period that we were doing that. Uh, and whenever we, uh, act, I guess, activate our house again after mm -hmm. Uh, we get through a few things, but open our house, open yeah. our house. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, I don't think that having like the support system by any means was a deciding factor, but I honestly, at this point, don't see how we could have done it or maintained our sanity in some situations without, without them. It was yeah. very crucial in our success um, sure. from all the way from, you know, heavy involvement to just like, Hey, like Victoria was saying, you know, we had friends who would just come by the house if mm -hmm. we needed them to, or, or when, even just text and make sure that we were okay. Like, did we need anything? Yeah. Or yeah, uh, before our house, uh, before we became licensed, uh, I had like a, I think was our mower broken or something. Mm -hmm. And some friends of ours brought all their kids over and literally like 
not only like mowed our lawn and cleaned all that up, but they also like pressure washed our house, <laughs> which it had not been done before. <laughs> And all sorts of awesome stuff. I mean, they, they yeah. come inside and clean. Yeah, they too, cleaned so. like the entire house. So just oh wow, just so many people that were just mm -hmm. literally like physically there for us and just doing whatever it was that we needed in the moment. Even things that I couldn't think of that I needed done. Yeah, um, yeah it was amazing. And, and what I what I, I think I, I hear from this um, is that you know. When, when we use the term wraparound care, that's a big term there, you know, wraparound care for a foster family. It involves so many things that, that you know, people with expertise or people who've never done this before can be a part of. I mean, everybody mm -hmm. can be a part of a meal train. You yeah. know, good friends can come and sit with you and text you. But, but at the same time, you did have foster parents and foster moms who went with you, I remember, to a first doctor's visit because yeah, you had yeah. no idea how you're going to navigate that. <laughs> You know, no one listening to this podcast can say, I don't have anything to offer a foster family, you know, mm -hmm. and, and we'll share at the beginning of the next episode, kind of how you guys met your, your now adopted son and how we got involved in that. And, and yeah, we still, Sonia and I still don't have experience as foster parents, but, um, mm -hmm. but everybody involved, you know, everyone can do a part to help a family do that. So, all right, well, we're going to take a pause here and, uh, in part one uh, you guys are doing a wonderful job so thank you for being a part of this um so uh if uh, if uh, you're listening to this we want to thank you so much for being a part of this uh, podcast listening today uh next week we're going to put out part two where we're going to pick up from the fostering side to what led them to adoption and uh, it's a pretty cool story and uh, so we thank you for listening you know we ask that you would uh, just Help, uh, help us by doing all the things every podcaster asks you to do, okay? So, you know, like and subscribe to this on YouTube. Uh, leave a comment, uh, you, you know, like this on, on whatever uh, uh, platform you may be listening this to uh, on a podcast platform, Spotify or Apple. You know, just do all those things. Give us a five-star rating, whatever it is, so that um, appreciate it. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're going to wrap up and then we'll be back next week uh, with part two with Alec and Victoria. Thank you so much.